Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. I want to welcome everyone that's joining us online as well as uh, on campus. Uh, Hannah Brink, you're awesome. Thank you for gracing us with your debut acting in our awesome bumper video. Uh, we do want you to know that uh, one of our favorite local uh, ba baker, Sarah McCook, did bake us 100, you're right, I'm in charge, 100 chocolate chip cookies. Um, they're not gluten-free, so sorry, uh, but they were made with love by, while wearing a mask and gloves and individually packaged, so you can grab one uh, on your way out. It's just a fun way to kick off our, our teaching series, and if you wanted to rub it in someone's face because they weren't here, you can do that as well. You can eat it in front of them, or you can just pick one up for them because we have a lot left over. Uh, we're, we're kicking off a new teaching series, generosity series, that Andrew had mentioned called More, where we're asking the question, is more better for us, right? So let me, let me ask you a quality of life question. If you could have um, more of one thing in your life that would maybe improve your life, what would, be, uh, what would be that one thing that you would say? Right off the bat, sleep. I want more sleep, right? I think it would enhance and improve my life. Maybe for you, it's more vacation time. Maybe for you, it's more, uh, more of the vaccine so life can go back to like normal or whatever normal will be uh, come spring, we, as we're finding out. What is something that if you received more of it, your life would be better. Uh, here's the lie that we believe about more. A little bit more is actually what we need. If I could just have a little bit, like 3% higher of an increase in my salary, because, you know, I got us through a pandemic, my life would be better, right? Here's the truth about more. The truth is this. A little bit more will make you do more of what you're already doing. So more money does not necessarily mean a better life. What more money actually represents is a reflection to your relationship with money. Uh, I always find it interesting, and hey, no, uh, no judgment if you play the lottery, especially during the holidays. I'm just, just a statement of observation, not condemnation. It's interesting that, uh, you know, some, there's some like uh, documentaries, and, and people will trace people who win millions of dollars in the lottery. Like, what is their life like 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And more times than not, if they did not have a discipline of dealing with money well. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're rich before you win the lottery, you're going to handle your finances well. That's not what I'm saying. If they did not have a rhythm and a way to approach their finances, like eight times out of 10, uh, they were in more financial ruin than before when they won the money. Or as you know, you have a lot of really close best friends when you win the lottery. And so there's a lot of strained relationships uh, in their lives after they win uh, a lot of money. And some of them actually pass away uh, due to the overwhelming stress of coming into that money. The lie we believe is a little bit more will improve our lives. But what more does, it just opens up how we behave with money, with sleep, with relationships. It just shows us how we behave with those things. I want to play a game, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to move around because well, COVID, uh, but if you would be willing to raise your hand, that's great, and if you're like, I'm not going to do that, I get it. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, all right? Um, I want to play a would-you-rather game, 
sort of around uh, this idea of more is better, okay? So would you rather have someone pay off your mortgage or have someone pay for every college tuition representative of the kids in your home? Raise your hand if you want your mortgage paid off. Raise your hand if you want your kids to go to college for free on someone else's dime. (laughs) That's right, because I bought that house. Once it's paid off, I might give it to you for college. Probably not. Mom and dad are going on vacation, and we changed the locks on our doors. Second question, would you rather have a getaway vacation for two, hopefully you take your spouse, or a family trip to Disney? Vacation for two, family trip to Disney. All right, we're going to Disney. If you're watching online, please drop a comment. Let, let us know. Notice that I said that the family was a trip, and the two were a vacation. I think you know why. Uh, what about this? A five-minute commute to work or a brand-new car, maybe with like a 30-minute commute to work? Uh, Five-minute commute or a brand-new car? Yeah, brand-new car, because I drive my cars like they're rentals. I just floor it, so I'm going to get there faster anyways. Might as well look good doing it. Uh, Two more. Would you? Oh, this is good. This is good. Would you rather have your dream house or free house cleaning for life? All right, dream house. What about free house cleaning? And everybody in the room and, and online that said free house cleaning, you are the blessed souls that probably have to clean your toilets, right? You want someone else to do that for free. What about this one? Last one. What about a quiet two-hour nap or alone time with your spouse? <laughs> raise your hand if you want a nap. Yeah, some of you are going to have trouble if you raise your hand for that one. And then alone time, yeah. And when I was 28, I'd probably pick alone time, but I'm getting tired as I get older. I want extra sleep. It's a, I'm not a psychologist, but it's amazing how many decisions we make in a day. Pro, I, I would not be surprised if, if, like, if it went from massive to, to sort of average to minuscule, all these different ranges of decision making, probably like a thousand, thousands maybe decisions that we're making every single day of our life. When do we want to wake up? Do I go to the bathroom first? Do I make coffee first? Coffee is always the answer. Who gets the kids out of bed? Can I pretend that I'm asleep so my spouse can get the kids out of bed? To, you know, what do I want to wear to work? There are so many decisions that we're making. And we have to decide about our finances, which is to say, we have to decide about how we're going to decide when Jesus allows us to have the income that, we, that we're going to have. And so for the next four weeks, we're stepping into this teaching series called More. And it's funny, there was a, uh, a gentleman in the first service that said, uh, is this when you're going to talk about money for a month? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I'll see you in December. So I'm kidding. He stayed. But I don't apologize. Money is like one of like the number one thing next to hell, which we're not talking about today, that Jesus talked about. It's so closely uh, tied to our hearts. And Jesus wants our hearts. He wants us to be spiritually transformed. And so if it matters to us, it matters to him. So over the next three weeks, we are going to look at Luke chapter 16. So if you are looking for something to read devotionally on your own time, over the next three weeks, we're going to dig deep into Luke chapter 16 with the parable of the shrewd manager. Uh, I think I'm a glutton for punishment, but this is one of the more difficult uh, parables to teach and translate. That's why I need more than a 25-minute time slot on one Sunday. So I'm going to read the parable in its entirety, and then I'm going to start teaching it like an episode of Lost. I'll start at the end and work my way over the next couple weeks. We'll work our way back to the beginning. So here's Luke 16, the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples, 
There was once a rich man who was a manager, but he was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is it that I hear this about you? This is a bad business review. <laughs> Give an account of your management because you cannot manage my money any longer. Terrible investor. The manager said to, my, said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, good self-awareness, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager said, uh, write down your bill and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe my master? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He said, take your bill and make it 800. I know this sounds laborious. That's why I need a few weeks to work through this. Because this is a weird verse in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager. You don't really read that a lot in the Bible, but we'll get to that next week. Because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That's that more thing. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, your salary, who will trust you with true riches, which is not money? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's stuff, their property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, you'll be devoted to one, or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. A lot of stuff going on here. So let's take an overview of this parable. There are two schools of thought to look at our money and economics. According to this parable, it would be different if we were in other texts of the New Testament. There's two different ways to think about money when we're thinking about money, which for most of us is every day. And the one group that has a view of money would be called the ASEANs, and they were part of the Dead Sea Scroll community. And in Luke 16, 8, Jesus says something that is not very complimentary. He says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. What he's talking about is this ASEAN community. And the way they, the way they did commerce and business and look at economics is it was very insular. So if you were not part of their group, they did not do business with you. If someone was caught doing business with you and you were not part of that group, that money was considered like dirty money, like right? sort of like mobster gang money. Uh, they only looked out for themselves. They seek the protection of themselves, their community. They only uh, took care of their own. It's an illustration. It's all that I have. That's why Sunday is every seven weeks. Maybe I'll have a better one next week. It's kind of like Kind of like, my parents did this when I was a kid, so no judgment. It's kind of like when a family rolls off an exit off of an interstate. There's a homeless person asking for money. It's a cool 60 degrees outside, wind's blowing through your hair, you're having a good hair day, you're feeling yourself. And then that one annoying extroverted kid in the back says, hey mom, hey dad, can we give this homeless guy some money? Right? And you're like, oh my gosh, he's right there, he can hear him. 
and you, you, you politely say something and you pull away and your child says, why didn't we give him money? He looked hungry. And the parent says, well, he could drink it or use drugs with it. Now, that could be true, but the point of uh, the giving is the act of mercy, not in what someone is or isn't going to do with the money. That's kind of how the Essene group looked at, uh, viewed economics and viewed their own people. If you were not in their tribe, sorry, you're out of luck. Andrew mentioned Giving Tuesday. That's a joke. They're not going to do that. If you're not within our community, we're not helping you. We take care of our own kind, which is sort of the mindset of the ASEAN community. Now, here's a second way you can view money in this parable. The Jesus way of viewing money. And people always came before money. If Jesus was a pastor in an American church, he would drive people on the finance team, I think, crazy, which is what I love about him. Because like, I, I consider myself a pretty high-risk um, like leader. You know, we're going to take this hill let's go. And someone's like, how are we going to pay for it? I don't know. Figure it out. I got a sword. Let's go. And I can see a lot of people in those budget meetings, right? Into your budget. A lot of churches and companies are thinking through 2021, whatever that's going to look like. I can see a bunch of people sitting on their hands like, you're God, but like, no, stop. People always came before money. People always came before the Torah, the Jewish Old Testament laws, the first five books of the Old Testament. There's a pretty famous... Um, a parable, the prodigal of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, or the story of the Good Samaritan. Prodigal sounds another story. And basically, this guy gets beat up on the side of the road, and three people pass this guy, right? Like, broken nose, bloody face. He looked like he had a bad Saturday night. Like, not in a good place, medically speaking. And three people pass him up. And you know what? They were doing the right thing, according to the Old Testament law. What does the Old Testament law say? If you see someone, um, if you're a priest or a religious leader and someone's beat up and broken nose and they just had a bad weekend, if you touch them, as, which is what was happening, as you go to the uh, synagogue or the temple to perform your religious duties, you were considered unclean. But who's the hero of the story? The Samaritan. Somebody that was sociologically unclean outside of the community. What am I trying to say? A lot of stuff. But the one thing I want to say is that Jesus always favors mercy over the law. Jesus always favors and values people over finances. And what's that little, what's that little song that we, most of us learned as kids if we grew up in sort of a religious household? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of America? No, of the world. Jesus' economical view, which is the kingdom of God, is not, um, is not insulated to one people group. It's the same, the same thing with the different covenants in the Bible. It's Jesus' view of, 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 of economics is for all people groups. Let, let me ask you a question. Who's allowed to be in the kingdom of God? Think about that. Who's allowed in? Who, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide that is, that, that, that is allowed in the kingdom of God? Well, probably the king, if it's his political empire. Everything, according to Jesus, when it comes to economics, is for the world. Let me tell you something. I, I think this is true. 
I think, and I could be wrong, it's fine. Come back Sunday, I'll be wrong again. I think when people get upset, when the pastor talks about money or, oh my gosh, here's the annual series on money right around the holidays, they're going to guilt trip me, I'm out of here, I'll see you at Christmas Eve, right? Here's the tension. Jesus goes, you kind of got to pick your group. Do you want to think the Jesus way about finances or just being... uh, historically, contextually accurate, do you want to go the way of the Essenes? Like, do you want to view your finances as something that you only take care of your own, only your family members, which, which is admirable, like, I get that. <clears throat> and do you only want to, like, beef up your 501k so that when you retire, you can retire in, in, in comfort and ease? And look, it's not wrong to retire wealthy. That Obviously, I think, Communication is hard because it's not in what I say, it's what is heard, right? You can retire wealthy. I'm not saying that that's wrong. What I'm saying is this group of people had a singular view of their finances, which is to take care of themselves. The reason why I think Jesus says no one can serve two masters is if you want Team Jesus for your salvation and my get out of hell card or whatever, that's going to be tough if you follow Jesus, you've accepted him as your savior, you've been baptized, you've done all that stuff, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus if your economical view of your finances is with the ASEAN group, where you're just taking care of yourself. You don't, lo- I mean, let's just be real, you don't like certain people groups. There's a reason why you don't go on mission trips. There's a reason why you don't give to Giving Tuesday. There's a reason why you don't give, which I'll talk about in a week or two, to our Christmas offering that's going to happen on throughout December and, and end on Christmas Eve. Because, Je- I'm just stealing from Jesus. I plagiarize every weekend from Jesus, as best as I can guess. It's because if you follow Jesus, and yet you live this way economically, there's going to be tension. There's going to be tension in your relationships. Will you die and go to heaven? 100%. But that you will miss out on that full life that begins right now, which I, I think, guys, I really do. I think in Luke 16, 13, that's why Jesus says, look, no one can serve two masters. Right? You, can't belong to, you can't belong to two groups. You got to pick one. You got you to pick your community and that community's way of thinking economically. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. Why? No one can serve both God and money. You can't have your feet in both camps. You got to pick one. If you're on team Jesus, you received the gospel, been baptized, you're plugged into a church, you have to look at your finances, which are not yours, they're on loan from Jesus, the kingdom of God way. You have to look at your finances economically, the way in which Jesus viewed his finances in, in, G, in Jesus, wow. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Old school phrase, checkbook, remember those things? I'd be in front of someone at a grocery store and they'd take like forever to write out a check. It still happens and, and that, that's fine. I don't have to ask you what you value. I could just look at your bank account, right? Because whatever's in your bank account is what you value. It's not bad. Like you will know that I love coffee. You will know that I love Stitch Fix. You will know that I love playing guitar. You will know that I'm, well, you already know that I'm a nerd, that I love buying books from Amazon. Like, those are things that, oh, I don't, I've never met this person, but this is what they're about. Here's the deal. I can't believe that a year and a half ago, 
I started, oh my gosh, I just want to take a nap thinking about it. I started getting up at 4 a.m. to go work out at 5 a.m. I hated it at first, and I hated the workout, but I was in a physical place where I had to get healthier if I wanted longevity here and just in my personal life. I love it. I, I I need to get on a plane where they hook me up with an IV. I love the feeling that I get from a good, hard workout. You don't have to convince me to go work out, which I can't believe that I'm actually saying that, because my heart is already there. I love it. Now, when I was a kid, I was on the border of like beyond unhealthy to like obesity. And uh, I would always play um, goalie or a keeper if I played soccer. I was a catcher when I played baseball. I said, okay, I have to play this sport, whatever. What, what's least movement? I'll, I'll do that one, right? And so my parents encouraged me to play football. I'm like, I don't want to do this, but my friends are on this team, so I'll give it a shot. I made it three practices. <laughs> Um, when the coach, who had, he had a red ring around his neck. I don't know that's because he had anger issues, because he yelled a lot, or because he was smoking like a chimney. There was a play that one of the uh, players ran. They missed a block. This is practice. The quarterback got sacked. This coach dropped more F-bombs within 30 seconds than I've ever heard in my life. I was A, impressed, and B, I was done with that. I left. And there was no amount of, my, my parents were like, I'll get you a new, remember this? I'll get you a new video game for Nintendo, or I'll get you a trapper keeper for school. Shout out to you 90s kids. I, I don't care. Why? My heart's not in it. I'm not doing it. You don't have to tell me to love your, for you to love your spouse if you're already infatuated with them. You don't have to tell, I don't have to tell you to love your kids when you're, when you look at them, you're, you're knocked out over them because you love them to death. Now, they're going to drive you crazy. We call that Monday. But you still love them. Where your heart is, there's your treasure. Like, stop, stop being fake. I feel like Jesus is saying, what, 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 what you lean towards and what you drift to, that's where your heart is. And if your heart is deepened into the gospel and the kingdom of God, It would be a joy and a pleasure to be generous with your finances. Jesus is not a map. The gospel is not a map to go find the treasure like an Easter egg hunt. Jesus is the treasure. The gospel is the treasure. Do you treasure your salvation? Probably not during this year. There's not a lot of time for reflection this year, I feel like. There's a lot of time for anxiety, depression, and wondering when this thing's going to be over, which is to say there is time for reflection. And I think one of the things that Jesus is trying to help us connect the dots on is, if you treasure me, you will treasure the things that I'm inviting you into. There are three ways that we typically look at our finances, especially with our giving. So the first... so. When um, I was always the big kid, so I was at the bottom. When you make a pyramid with your friends, guess who, guess who receives the most amount of pressure? Me, on my back. And when we view our finances, we tend to view giving at the bottom, savings in the middle, debt savings you know, in the middle, and then our lifestyle on top, because we got to get paid, right? We work those hours. And if giving is at the bottom... Giving will receive the most amount of pressure, which we will jip giving 100% every time. This is the ASEAN way of looking at our finances. 
Take care of yourself. Take care of your own and your family. And then if you have anything left over, give it to God, right? Give God a little more than what you would give your server. And so you hear these three boxes that I want to teach through here in a second. So we got giving, savings, lifestyle. But the way that Jesus teaches about our finances is that giving should be our top box, right? Giving should be our top box, savings, debt reduction, middle, and our lifestyle at the bottom. And so the ASEAN community would say, take care of number one, then take care of your family, your immediate family, and then if you have anything left over, give it to God. Here's the problem. If we live that way, we will have no margin for generosity, we will have no margin for generosity. We'll die and go to heaven. We're Jesus followers. But if we live the ASEAN way, we will have no margin for generosity. And so what Jesus is teaching us, <clears throat> what he's teaching us is to view our money. Listen to this. This is important, church. To view our money to fund our ministry. Right? Not the church, but not excluding the church. Here's what I mean by this. Some of you <laughs> have um, empty rooms that only get used once a year, usually this time when you have in-laws or families coming over for the holidays, and you've got like 87 down pillows, and it doesn't get used throughout the rest of the year. Well, <clears throat> Rockingham Christian Church was planted by Restoration House Ministries. They have interns coming every single year. They usually come in the spring, and they, they hang out in New England for about a year. So what, what if... What if you said, God, you've given me so much. How can I use what I already have? Not just money, but how can I use what I already have to fund the ministry that you're giving me? Not just a church. It's not just a, you know, a weekly check that I give or on my phone digitally give. How can I use my lifestyle to fund the ministry that you've given me? So maybe what I'm going to do is instead of giving 10 and whatever percent you put here and the, re and the rest here, you know, the 80, 90 percent here, I'm going to take some of the money that I have in my lifestyle and I'm going to repurpose it for the ministry you've given me. So I'm going to open my my home to, you know, these 20-something interns that may or may not take a shower on a daily basis so that they can come to New England and get some ministry experience. Maybe you're retired. I played, ba I played baseball, not basketball, so you can laugh. Maybe you're retired and you can tutor some kids at a local school. Maybe, maybe um, you, you know, grandma and grandparents, look, it's, it's a pandemic. It's not ideal. But maybe you could have like a weekly Zoom night with your grandkids and you could read to them a bedtime story. Maybe, maybe if you have, if you own your own business, it's rethinking. Hey, instead of instead of fortifying myself for the future, what does it look like to show my employees to value generosity? Am I am I providing am I providing good health care for my employees? Am I providing counseling for my employees? Am I giving them intentional breaks? Because the average American does not use all of their uh, vacation time, which I don't get. Um, I'm, I'm out. I need to rest. How, how, can I, how can I force my employees to take vacation time? How can I use what God has given me to fund the ministry that he's given me in my life? It, it's this holistic view of our finances, not compartmentalizing finances, which, by the way, the word judgment means to compartmentalize people. Think of like your sock drawer. That's where my socks go. That's where my underwear goes. That's where my undershirts go. I shut the door. I'm done. That's how we judge people. Jesus, I don't think, wants us to view our money the way we view our sock drawer. He wants to see it 
all or nothing. All of it goes to fund our ministry. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus. We believe in grace, not in karma. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to teach karma. As we keep giving and as we uh, step into generosity, when we step into generosity, it gives us greater margin. And God continues to overflow his blessing in our life, which again, allows us to like, man, it's like hotcakes, get up. Because if I hold on to my money long enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend it on dumb stuff on Amazon, and then I'm going to regret it like 72 hours later. It's get this out of my hands. How can I love and serve people? How can I go to a different restaurant throughout the holidays, get to know my server, which is always fun, and then tip them $100 to watch their expression? If you haven't done that, you got to do it if you're able to, or even, or even 50% of the tab. How can I use the resources that God has given me to fund the ministry that God is calling me to, not just Rockingham Christian Church. Do not think generosity is only on a Sunday morning while you're giving to the church. That is not even the beginning of generosity. It is living a life of generosity. To be a good Jew in the first century meant that you were a blessing machine, which is why Jesus spent first of the parable of the Sermon on the, or the, Sermon on the Mount by talking about blessing. You're blessed if you do this, and you're blessed if you do that. At RCC, one of our values is generosity. We believe that generosity tells better stories, and it opens more doors for us and you personally to walk through in the future. And I'm really excited to tell you about a free gift our church is giving you that would have cost you 150 bucks per person should you have bought this and stepped, to it, stepped into it on your own. Many of you are familiar with Financial Peace University. It's a Dave Ramsey plan to sort of get out of debt. Um, but we have taken it to the next level. We have purchased for our church, anybody watching online, even if you don't go to RCC, you can, it's free. We're just giving it away. It's $150 value to you and your family. It has Financial Peace University. It has legacy giving. It has classes on how to teach your kids to handle finances. Uh, it has classes on retirement, 401k, um, setting up you know, trusts and different things like that. We care deeply that RCC views money the way Jesus in the kingdom of God views money. So I want you to take a, take a moment and listen to, watch this video. Hey, RCC, Pastor Ben here, and I'm excited to tell you about a generosity tool that our church is going to step into in the coming weeks. I'm with Dave and Ken. I want to give them an opportunity to share with you about Ramsey Plus. Thanks, Ben. So first, I want to talk about why uh, at RCC do we decide to go with Ramsey Plus, and I think of it in three ways. Number one is RCC. Not only do we want to journey with you and your uh, with Christ, but we want to journey with you on your financial freedom. And we've done Financial Peace University classes. Second is we started uh, in 2011 doing Financial Peace University, and as we were thinking about this, and I ask uh, many members who have gone through it. Um, how's your financial freedom journey going? And they said, it's Davish, meaning, <laughs> and I said, what do you mean by that? And they say, well, I'm, I'm able to do uh, budgeting. I'm starting to do my budgeting. I'm thinking about uh, emergency fund paying off some debt, but they're not really achieving that ultimate goal of financial freedom. So the third thing I, I, I think about is, as we go into this global pandemic, we know people are struggling. Uh, and financially, they're really struggling. So as a group, we talked about it. 
and we approached Dave Ramsey's team because we wanted to do another class. And they said, maybe you guys should really look at Ramsey Plus. It's going to help you budget. It's going to help you learn. And it's going to help you track to really get you to that financial freedom. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. And, and so one of the points I want to emphasize uh, that Dave mentioned, and that is uh, the point of freedom. Because Ramsey Plus goes way beyond the, the money, the budgets, the debt management. This, th those are all uh, means to an end. And the end is really about freedom right. and the freedom of choice that we have. But we have to take control. We have to change the way we think and the way we live. And just envision what that freedom would look like to you. The ability to trust God, contentment, the reduction of stress in your life, in your marriage, the ability to, to, to really teach your own children about finances. And just imagine the peace of mind when you want to take that family vacation or repair that car or saving for retirement. Those things aren't on your balance sheet. It's called freedom. So yes. when you think of Ramsey Plus, think of freedom. Yes. Freedom! <laughs> awesome. These guys are great. Hey, why don't you head to rccsalem.com slash giving for more information. And as Dave and Ken mentioned, uh, typically this would cost about $130, $150 per person to take this class. But we have uh, eliminated that barrier and it will be totally free to our RCC folks. Um, head over to rccsalem.com slash giving for more information and to step into Ramsey Plus. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, give it up. I love those guys. And they, they, they walk the walk. They're completely 100% debt-free. They've gone through uh, the Ramsey stuff. I want to encourage you right now, it's okay to use your phone. It's 2020. If you go to rccsalem.com giving, scroll down to the Ramsey Plus, click on the button that says access to Ramsey Plus, all you need is to give them your email, and you are, it's like, it's like a whole new world. It's Aladdin, baby. You can step into whatever program that you want to. There's folks on the Ramsey Plus end that follow up with you. They're not standing over your shoulder, but they're, they're going to walk alongside you, help you wherever, the, wherever you need to go, whether it's getting out of debt, thinking about legacy giving, thinking about death and wills, thinking about teaching your kids about finances. It's all there for you, free of charge. Be a blessing. Download it for yourself and your family and give it away. You don't have to go to RCC to, to access this thing. G give it to somebody that may be struggling in their finances or maybe they're thinking about Act 4 and setting up their estate planning for end of life. Maybe, maybe they're parents and they're thinking about, how do I teach my kids about finances? Finances. And here's what's really cool about Ramsey Plus. It's all digital. You can download, my wife and I just downloaded all the apps about two weeks ago. It's so easy. It's, I can, even I can, even a pastor can do it. So it's, I mean, that's why I'm in ministry. I can't count. It is so easy to step into this uh, new tool and resource that we really want to give you. And like Dave said, look, the pandemic is tough. Um, outside of ex excessive drinking and, and um, outside of excessive drinking and even substance abuse, finances in the home is one of the biggest struggles American families are going through during this pandemic. We get it. We want to help. So please step into it if it can be a blessing uh, to you. As we close out uh, this sermon today, uh, I want to bring our church a little bit up to date about where we're at financially as we close out this year and head into 2021. Uh, I want you to be thinking about and praying about with your family, your spouse, about your end of year giving. Uh, right now, we're about $29,000 behind budget. 
Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a pandemic. So we didn't do a lot of spending during lockdown. So we're actually okay. It's not as dire as what it seems. But if we could make up for that in the general giving heading into 2021, that will put us in a better financial cash position. Again, if you're watching online, you're here, it's your first time, you're our guest. Do not, this is not for you. It's a family meeting. Also, we're ending our next campaign, our three-year next campaign, uh, at the end of the year, which helped us move into this facility and renovated it. We had about $600,000 pledged towards it, of which 75% has already come in. And so if you are uh, giving towards the next campaign, I want to encourage you to talk with your family and pray about what that last gift will be to close out next. And yes, please, my goodness, include your children in it. They, I mean, it's such a powerful moment to invite your kids into how, and more importantly, why you give. And from that next, we spent about $280,000 to move in here, to renovate, and to get going. Not, not so that we could sit on our hands and say, okay, we're no longer renters. We're adults. We own a house. No, no, no. It's to advance the mission of Jesus, which is to invite anyone and everyone to journey with uh, Jesus, let me pray, and I'll close out our sermon time together. Jesus, thanks so much for this parable. It's wicked difficult to understand sometimes, uh, but we thank you that um, even, you know, 2,000 years when you taught it, or somewhere around there, it's still true today, that really the school of thought is, do I, you know, how much do I take care of myself, and how much do I take care of my church, other people, the nonprofits, my friends that are in need? Uh, it, it's, not, it's not black and white. It, it, it's, it's, it's gray. And so would you lead us and guide us into what you're inviting us into towards our individual family's expression of generosity? Thank you so much, Jesus, for the leadership of this church that saw the investment of Ramsey Plus. Like They saw that it was worth it. And thank you, Jesus, for giving us a, a a cash position where we could offer that freely, not only to the church, but anyone at RCC who gives out the link to sign up. Man, I hope it blesses a lot of people, and I hope it allows a lot of people to experience your freedom. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.